GM everybody, welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and all that is in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with capital K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And talking about the Flywheel's best investigative on-chain, off-chain, Telegram, tel uh, Twitter space, I call him a you know truffle sniffer. Like you have the pigs that just you know sniff the truffles and like oh found it. It's Crypto Vester. This is the Crypto Vester episode. Uh, Crypto Vester, uh, a little bit of his background. He was uh, in hedge funds for like a few decades. Uh, twenty he, years. Plus. Twenty years. Twenty years plus. He was a Bitcoin maxi back in twenty fourteen. Then over time, staunch like staunch like sounded like he would have been laser eyed. Then became over time became an ETH maxi and now is a self professed. Stablecoin Maxi and Fraxmalist. And we had him on. And, you know, Crypto Vester, honestly, like, you know, I, it's funny, like, when we first met, he was like a lurker. Um, but then he really just, like, jumped to the forefront of, like, if anybody, like, in the Frax chat just sees him just asking Sam questions all the time. And, like, he's like the human Sam Casbot because he's just always sniffing alpha. Like, you just need to follow him. And I'm just like, I remember when he was coming up, I'm like, guys, this is your guy. This is the guy. And he just does it from a natural curiosity. I just love that. And so it was like, we got to get him on. We got to like hear, you know, we get, it's one thing to see it like over text. We got to like hear the alpha itself. So I'm really happy we got him on. We went deep into this episode, not just about Frax, not just about Curve and Convex, but what he thinks is in store for the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? It's always good to speak to, um, you know, like-minded Kind, kindred spirits so mm -hmm. that's all i gotta say kick your feet up and just relax on this one yeah you don't really this, this is a hopium straight <laughs> to the veins honestly yeah. <laughs> this is just, this is a hopium episode like if really you're is. down in the dumps because of the bear if you feel like you have no hope if you feel like it's so over by the end of this episode you're gonna be saying we're back yeah soon yeah. tm <laughs> no we're back we're back and if oh, you yeah, want to yeah and then if you want to keep up with everything every week you know what to do Go to that bell button, subscribe right now, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Go to flywheeldefi.com, subscribe to your newsletter. Make sure you follow all of our socials at flywheeldefi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. For exclusive, sh so, yeah, for exclusive show notes, go to our friend tech at flywheeldefi. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone, let's get this flywheel rolling here. Uh, welcome back. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. And today we have on the legend himself like literally snuffing the truffle trying those tidbits of alpha he's in the pit and literally every my timeline is just filled with this llama whether it's the timeline or the telegram chat just questions and answers and then posted like you're like a human or llama sam Kaz bot uh we have on crypto vester uh, for those who are unfamiliar, he is a very active Frax, Convex, 
curve community member who is known for just sniffing out alpha and you know we're the uh the frax podcast first and foremost so we had to get him on so crypto investor thank you for coming on thank you guys thank you i really appreciate the time uh it's an honor to be here and uh happy to talk frax with you yeah i think i remember um I think like when we started uh, Flywheel, you you wanted to come on. You asked to come on, and I, I did. you did. I wasn't, ask, that, I wasn't that big then. <laughs> you weren't that big then. I was just like, I guess like I wasn't too familiar with you or like yeah, how you contributed to the community just yet. And like we were just starting as a podcast, and we weren't that big to be honest. I was so, just like, a lurker then, guys. Just a lurker. Just a, just a lurker. <laughs> Just, I mean, don't we all just start off as luckers? That's how like, we no. all start. Isn't that how we all start? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, how, let's get into it from there. Uh, like how, you know, you start, what's your background? How'd you first get into DeFi and what like really interested you? And like, when did you first really take, took the DeFi pill? Oh, okay. The D, well, I started in, in crypto. Uh, I was a Bitcoin maxi in uh, 2014. Solid. Uh, started there and you know, kept hearing about altcoins, altcoins, and never buy an altcoin and just buy Bitcoin. And it's been that for probably until 20, summer of 2020, like a little bit after the summer of DeFi summer. Um, I had a friend of mine, I knew what Ethereum was. I was at the, the, the ICO launch of Ethereum's page when you could get like 2000 Ethereum for like one Bitcoin or something. And did I you participate? No, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. I did buy Ethereum at like $7 for, you know, like a small amount. And I played with it a little bit, but uh, I didn't participate. I should have, uh, you know, might be a different conversation right now if I had done that. But, but anyway, yeah, I, I stuck with Bitcoin for a long time, which has still been really good for me. Um, and then summer 2020, a little bit after, I think it was August or September. So mm -hmm. it was just, you know, kind of cooling off a little bit. Um, I had a friend of mine who was saying how he could earn, earn yield on uh, on Ethereum. And I was like, what do you mean earn yield? Like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> and he was referring to like the back in the day, it was like the compound strategies, you know, with like uh, uh, never drop and all that. It was like he was showing me that. And I'm like, he got on a Zoom call with me and uh, he, good he, helped right there. Install, he helped me install MetaMask. I, I was like, what the hell is a MetaMask? <laughs> you know? Um, I knew how to use a, a, a hardware wallet. I had a Trezor and I was doing all that. And, you know, I said, okay, I knew how to buy Ethereum. I just never used it with a browser, you know, with a, a wallet like that. So he shows me all that. He gets me on the app and that was it. I started my first, you know, leveraged position there. And uh, that's my, you know, not my first on-chain experience. My first on-chain experience was in 2014, when a friend of mine sent me some big, like a dollar's worth of Bitcoin, and it took like, you know, one second. And that's what sparked it for me. I was like, okay, wait a minute. How does this work? Like, how do you get, you know, Bitcoin from one phone to another phone in like literally five seconds? So that's how. So I started in, in 2000. So the DeFi part started in 2020. I'm a Bitcoin maxi turned an ETH maxi. Then I got into the Olympus area. You guys know, remember that pretty well, right? Got, of course. Got a burnt there. I did well. I, I can't yes. complain, but I got some, I got, I got my, I burned my fingers there. Um, and then I, it was actually with Zeus, the founder of, of, uh, oh. of Olympus, right? He, he was talking CVX and and F FXS and how he wanted to accumulate that for Olympus. 
And I was like, what the hell is Frax? <laughs> you know, and what is CBX? I had no idea, you know. So I started reading, I started getting into Discord. And so I'm a Bitcoin maxi turn ETH maxi turn CVX maxi, and then eventually Frax, Fraximalist. And then now I, I, I really do consider myself kind of a stablecoin maximalist. I, I really do love uh... using stablecoin now. It was funny. I have this like survey out now because I'm getting a whitelist together for a uh, future partner of uh, Frax that's going to be announced October 24th, doing like a fun a uh, discovery game. I'll leave it at that. And like oh, I got a few answers of like they discovered Frax through Olympus Dow. Yep, that is how I discovered it. Which yeah, you know. Uh, kind of an interesting place to discover it, you know, and, uh, but it led me down a path. And then, you know, once I started kind of, then I found my home there, you know, it's like talking with Sam and asking questions and just being able to be as open as possible. Uh, it just, you know, you, you could just tell when, when there's like, there's an authenticity there. And, uh, you know, I never thought I would come from Bitcoin maximalist to stablecoin maximalist, but I do agree with with Sam's like thesis on how that is like the after Bitcoin and Ethereum, I really do believe that stablecoins are the next huge narrative in the crypto industry. Yeah, let's get into that. Uh, what is your stablecoin maximalist thesis? Like, how would you put the stablecoin maximalist thesis in your own words, and how does Frax fulfill that? Okay, um, I think it's way bigger than anybody anybody i've ever listened to talks about like even me even sam yeah yeah like i think it says well maybe sam has the idea you know i am sure he does but like i you talk stable coins to people and they're like eh, whatever i think of it as trillions of dollars i really do i really think of it as part of the new financial system the fact that there's ongoing legislation and you know regulation with you know the us and hong kong and all around the world it's just telling you that this is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And it is crypto's number one use case. Um, how does Frax fit in? Um, well, that's hold on. Question. Before you get that crypto investor, do you think it's bigger than Ethereum and Bitcoin? Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, you heard it here, folks. Yeah, it, it just has to be. Look, Thank you for the sound. Tether, I agree. Tether is the largest, right? We all agree, like we all know that Tether is the what the company that makes the most money in crypto, right? Like it has like the most T-bills like after Mexico and whatever the other countries are. I mean, it's like, it's easily going to be the third or fourth spot in, in uh, our real world assets. And stable coins are going to be, you know, you can be able to mint stable coins against those assets. So it's clearly going to be in the trillions of dollars. Um, just like gold, like think about it. Gold is worth what, like seven trillion, mm -hmm. but the money supply is sixteen trillion. So U.S. dollars is sixteen trillion, but gold is seven trillion. So yeah, I think Bitcoin will be huge too. I'm not like you know saying it's not going to be Bitcoin, um, but that's that's kind of how I'm how I'm viewing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. But yeah, I do believe it'll be bigger than Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think it will outgrow because you have the real world assets coming in, you know, and the form of T-bills and other things that's going to be way bigger than just the, big, the market cap and the uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. So the part of like the stablecoin maximalist thesis that Sam puts out is you have to have the collateral like be earning yield against the risk-free rate. 
do you think are you saying that there will be other like stable coins do you see other stable coins earning against like a little bit riskier things and because like do you see that working because we just saw what happened with like usdr uh yeah. with the illiquid real estate fiasco like right. how like what is the line that you draw for stable coins i draw a line that's like so far out there that you're not even it's going to blow your mind it's like I think that their stable coins are going to be like reward points. Like everyone's going to have them. American Express, Visa, mm. Starbucks. Like there's going yeah. to be, I mean, yes, there's going to be some big ones. I really do, you know, Tether and, and, and I think Frax and a few others are obviously going to be centerpieces, right? But I do think that there's going to be a lot of companies that will come out with their own stable. I think MasterCard and Visa are going to come out with their, their own stable coins. Like I think American right. Express, no I think we're going to have Amex USD. I think we're going to have Visa USD. I, I just don't think people see it yet, but PayPal is a perfect example. Like PayPal USD, I, I just think that it's going to keep happening and happening and happening. And, you know, I think it's going to be an explosion of uh, real world assets and there's going to be different ones and there might be different use cases and backed mm -hmm. by different items. And, I'm sure we'll have some that will completely fail like Luna and there'll be some that'll be as big as Tether and not bigger. I got it. Yeah, no, I agree with your thesis of uh, you're, we're going to have a world of hundreds, if not thousands of different stable coins. Yeah. And with these points programs, they're basically like, especially it's a stable coin. It's a stable coin. Yeah. Whether right, it's like, like, yeah, like Venmo, private stable coin, Starbucks right, and your app, private stable coin. Yeah. Exactly. So why wouldn't these companies want to have an on-chain record of who's spending what where, and then they can even reward an airdrop, like rewards to their loyal customers through the chain? You know, yeah. so there's just a world that nobody is like kind of exploring right now. And, you know, I think it's it's going to be huge. And if you, imagine if you have like a llama NFT and you get like double the points for having the llama NFT. Ima imagine that. Just imagine. Yeah. Just imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what or I'm Or if you get about. like a rebate for using Frax, you know. Mm -hmm. so. Mm. so, yeah, that's how I kind of see things from the stablecoin world. Yeah, this guy, it has me hyped up. So, this has me yeah, hyped so up. So, 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 so let me ask you guys a follow-up question. What are the second order effects to Amex USD, uh, Venmo USD, uh, you know, or Chase USD, or even your rinky-dink Macy's USD? <laughs> you know, like what are the implications of that? What are the second order effects here? Second order effects. I think that, you know, you're going to have some major successes, and you're going to have some pretty bad failures too. I mean, it's clear that, you know, not everybody knows how to design a stable coin, right? That's, that's hard stuff. And after learning a lot about what I've learned in the last, you know, two years, you know, with Curve and Convex and, and Frax, like what, what Sam is trying to do is, is in the team, it, it's not an easy task. Um, I think that if you have to ask me, I think that when it comes to on-chain um, stable coins, I think Frax has got probably the best team in the world. Um, I, I think maybe it's Dai as a second, close second. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I'm going to respect Dai. I'm not, you know, anti, you know, maker or whatever. Um, I think we're going to do better. I think we're going to, I think we're going to surpass them. And I'll explain, you know, my thesis there, but, um, I think they're the two core on-chain, uh, stable coins that have real traction. 
Um, and I think they're going to bring into the uh, Frax is going to bring into the fold the Paxos and PayPal side, which is like nothing that we've ever seen before. Mm. See, Tether, what yep. Tether and Circle are doing, that's kind of easy. Well, I don't want to say that's easy, but put a dollar in the bank or a dollar in T-bills and issue a dollar on chain. That's it. It's just that simple for them, right? I mean, there's not there's not all these complex AMOs and curve and incentives. And I mean, it's a much different mechanism that Frax is trying to do mm-hmm. than, you know, and that whole on-chain thing. You know, is, 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 I mean, I kind of view Frax as the, the on-chain version of Tether. Yes. And That's then value name. goes to VEFXS stakers. Exactly. So imagine VEFXS as kind of like the board members. Mm. We are early board members of Tether. Well, I'm not calling it. We're early board members of Frax, which is an online or on-chain version of Tether. So we will be making the decisions on the direction of that protocol and of that stablecoin, just as if we had a seat on the board of Tether, if we were there now and we're dealing with billions and billions of dollars in supply. Yeah. People don't think of it like that. People kind of think of, you know, oh, it'll get to a hundred billion and then it'll go to zero, you know, like Luna did. They're not thinking bigger picture, like what does it do to the financial system? What does it do to the financial yeah. system? I, I was going to say, like, like crypto investor, let me frame it for you. It the year is twenty thirty. We now have a hundred bajillion stable coins. We have Macy coins. We have JC Penny coins. We have you know Sears USD, but then those went away. Obviously, we all know that. So right. you know th- there are all these like USDs out there. You know, curve pairs are everywhere. Liquidity is flooding. What does that market look like? Oh man. Okay. Okay. Imagine curve pools for all of these stable coins, right? Okay. Imagine uh, 200 curve pools. Imagine 100 to 150 of them paired with Frax, PayPal, USD, and or Paxos. So every time a transaction happens with any stable coin, in, whether it's Amex or whatever, it's crossing, being exchanged with either Curve USD or Frax on, on Curve. So imagine a world where every transaction that's stablecoin related actually go, you know, has something to do with a curve transaction which passes through and sees Frax or sees Curve USD as the two main pillars, maybe even die, you know, as three big pillars on chain. It's the settlement, the stablecoins of settlement. See, yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so do you think it would go, let's say I have, I don't know why I keep on picking on Macy's, but let's say I have Macy's USD. It's nostalgia. I, I, I want to swap it for like Venmo USD, no matter what I would have to go through the curve. I think, the, I, I think Macy's USD is going to be a meta pool on the Frax BP or Frax USD or whatever pay, you know base pool there is at the time. Uh-huh. And you're going to be exchanging your, your, Macy's USD for uh, Frax and, you know, and or Curve USD using one of these major base pools. But but even then, like, it's hard to envision that because we're, we're kind of far away from that. But but think of it like right now, let's just talk about what we see right now. Like, and I can see it right now with PayPal USD. Like, Sam's been throwing hints. He's been throwing hints about PayPal. It's, it's happening, but nobody believes it. So 
Paxos has a deal with PayPal, right? They're working on, they're issuing the PayPal USD. Sam has been in talks with Paxos. That's okay. Just like we have a base pool with Paxos, I'm assuming we're going to have a base pool with PayPal USD. He's already kind of said that a couple of times. And what's that mean? That means that PayPal USD is going to be, the supply is going to go up as a result of Fraxis growth. And Fraxis supply is going to go up as a result of PayPal's growth. So I can see a world where, you know, on chain, there could be billions of dollars uh, of PayPal USD and it could be paired with Frax. And when swaps are happening there, you know, they're going to, you know, these PayPal USD is going to PayPal's uh, front end, you know, Web2 version uh, of the account. And so that's where I think the Frax card might, might actually come in. Like, I think that eventually they may do a deal with PayPal and PayPal users it's not going to be a Frax card. It's a PayPal card. They're going to handle all of the compliance and all of the issues, but the swaps in the back end are going to be from Frax to PayPal USD on a curve pool. Mm. Mm. Let's get into so, these. I want to keep, keep getting into the, the Frax Alpha and like Frax, like little tidbits you've been picking up. But before we get to that, like let's kind of like set the stage, set, set, set the context of it. Um, I think you've already like explained your Frax thesis, but like to like someone that's new to Frax, let's say like, you know, I've been in DeFi for a bit. I just stumbled upon Frax. You know, maybe I listened to Flywheel. Maybe I saw Sam on a space. But how would you explain Frax to someone who's heard about it for the first time but is familiar with DeFi? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, I would say it's probably one of the safest um, on-chain stable coins, um, decentralized stable coins. Uh, next to Curve USD and Dai, and so if you're looking to do something on chain, I would gravitate towards Frax. Uh, one of those three, um, Frax being probably my favorite. Um, there, there, there's. It's hard for me to to pick a side because there are things I like about Curve USD. You know, the whole decentralized nature of it, and there are things I like about Frax where it's utilizing real world assets like T bills. You know, bringing that yield on chain is going to revolutionize. It's going to explode uh, Frax's supply. And so that's how I would explain it to a DeFi user. Uh, but as far as to a broader user uh, or someone who wants to invest in Frax, and this is not financial advice, but right. I would say that Frax is the equivalent of on-chain Tether, where you could see all of the the transparency, you can see all of the transactions, you can see all of the AMO. Exactly. So very balance sheet. You can see the balance sheet. Block by block. Block by block changing balance sheet. I mean, literally, no other, uh, no, not even DAI. Like, I don't, I can't tell you right now what DAI has. Like, I don't even know. I I can't even figure it out. So they don't have an on-chain balance sheet that I can tell. Um, it's mixed in with corporate bonds. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's a lot riskier. So I agree with what Sam is saying as far as going to the safest on, you know, off chain yield, which is, you know, T bills and eventually a Fed master account. That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like what Tether is doing. I mean, if you think about it, as much Tether as we listen to and we get on a daily basis, they've kind of done what, you know, Frax wants to do minus the on chain part, right? Like, Mm-hmm. They've done, they've invested in dollars and, you know, T-bills and 
um, they're backing a, a core. But that's the thing is they're not transparent. So we don't know. But with Frax, we're going to be able to see everything. And I don't think that's that's never happened. Not even with Dai. You could agree. You could argue that Curve USD is maybe a second because they're it's pretty transparent too. But mm-hmm. it's it's only on chain um, ETH based uh, tokens, right? So it's like Curve LPs and things like that. It's not really off chain. Now Frax is bringing off chain data on chain so that we can figure out how many T bills they have, what bank accounts they're in. Um, how many dollars, how much USDC, how much Paxos, how much PayPal USD is in these accounts. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think where we're going is, 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 is probably bigger than what most people are expecting. And that's how it usually happens. And, you know, talk about, you know, bringing things to light. There's no one that does it better than you, Crypto Vester. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah. like, how did you start being, you know, the, the truffle sniffer of Frax Alpha? Like, what mo- did it happen naturally? Did you wake up one day and was just like, I need to find out as much Alpha as possible? Like, how did it start? Yeah. I just I just got the feeling. It started with Convex initially. Like, you know how C2 is just kind of behind the scenes all the time. And mm-hmm. there's no one out there talking about Convex, really. Very few people. Um, everybody yeah. left, you know, bear market things. Everybody's gone. And I, I just said, you know, somebody's got to like start talking about this and, you know, just explain first follower. Right. And then, and then it kind of evolved into Frax and I was like, nobody's doing this. And you guys are the only ones that we're really doing. And I would listen to your podcasts and a little bit of Leviathan too, you know, they, you know, Sam, you know, would obviously bring up a lot of Frax stuff. Uh, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of people that are really out there. There might be three or four threaders that are out there and that's it. And so I, you know, and I know that Frax, you know, has a a stance on, on, you know, paying for marketing and all that. And I'm like, well, why don't I just explain what I know or what I, what I think I know. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm overshooting and it's not as big as I think it is. And maybe I'm right. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to find out in the next two years, I think. Yeah. And so what do you think, what do you think is going to happen two years from now? What alpha have you uncovered? Like, what are your hunches? My hunches. Okay. I think BAM is BAM, going BAM. To be, BAM, BAM is going to be bigger than we kind of expected. And Can you I explain think BAM? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a little bit of alpha from Sam the other day. He didn't he doesn't say much about that. That's when he keeps really close to the vest. But but he did say something about, you know, how you know, it, it could it could offset a lot of the whole uh, collateralization ratio issues and it could what I think they're going to do with it. And this is it's hard for me to explain it because I don't really know how it's working, but I think there's a way where people will be able to lock liquidity into the AMM, right? Into BAM. And they get they earn some kind of reward or something like a fee, and Frax can draw upon that locked liquidity, so it doesn't just leave the AMM if there's a, a, a downturn in the market. They can draw from that liquidity or something to offset any peg with the dollar. So if for whatever reason there's like a D peg in USDC or USDP or you know Pax or whatever, they can like somehow fill the AMO with with. I don't know. I mean, that, that's a speculation. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm thinking it has something to do with that. And that could really change things because it could be really the first 
dollar peg stablecoin that doesn't really rely on um, just the asset backing the dollar. You know, it, it, it can actually, if there's ever a DPEG event, it can fill that D, that void. Can we explain this a little bit more? Like, how does it fill the, it uses the locked liquidity so in let, the BAM? Let, let's say, yeah. yeah, let's say you have a BAM and you have like, and again, I don't know this, this is not, you know, confirmed or anything, but this is just my speculation. So let's say you have BAM, you have this AMM, but you know, you got all these users putting in their tokens because they want to be able to swap whatever but the tokens can't be removed. It's locked liquidity. It's like the first AMM that the, the, the liquidity would be locked, right? I mean, for a period of time, I don't know if it's one year or four years, whatever. I'm, you know, guessing at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so you got all this liquidity. Maybe you have, you know, a billion dollars one day, you know, in BAM. And, you know, maybe 40% of it is locked. And, you know, uh, people who've locked the liquidity in there are earning, you know, rewards like a fee or whatever and so that's the reason for them to lock in there and then you know if ever there's like a dpeg event let's say usdc or usdp goes down by five percent so it's at 95 cents mm-hmm. right like the like frax can borrow from the amn and like and fill that gap in the amo so that the peg stays steady at, at a dollar Something like that, like something where it's using the liquidity, it'll pay for that liquidity. Like Frax will issue like fees or something to for the for the lock, you know, while while peg is restored. But something to that effect where the the if there's ever a major DPEG event, um, it could always it always has some liquidity that it can borrow against, like its own borrowing facility. Oh, so it's like. Uh... It's like a frax but, lend for frax. Yeah, it's like a frax lend for frax. That's what I'm thinking. It's like some yeah. kind of frax lend for frax to use and be able to pay users for that money. Now, here's the thing: it's locked liquidity, so they can't. You can't have just users leave and get out, right? So they're locked in, like v, VEFXS, right? So they won't leave. The liquidity is there, and frax can count on that liquidity in in the case of a, of a DPEG event. I could be wrong. It could be like the design could be different. I'm thinking it's in along those lines. That's like what I'm picking up on. So it's like, instead of like frax bonds where you're like issuing like a bond, it's, it's like you're issuing. Yeah. But the thing about the bonds is that there's a maturity, right? So there's like a time when you can get that frax out of the bond. And in this case, it's like liquid liquidity that's in the BAM. Liquid liquidity. Liquid liquidity, yeah. That's like a... In contrary to lock liquidity, this is liquid liquidity. Right. Liquid liquidity versus lock liquidity. Yeah, this is liquid liquidity, guys. Yeah, it's actually Uh, lick squared uh, for those in the know. What about about lick cubed? Like, what is that? That's like liquidity from another dimension coming in. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, that's what BAM is, right? Because you're getting, you know, liquidity from the liquid lock liquidity. Yeah. Yeah, that, is, is, that, is that off the wall, or does that make sense to you guys? I, I think it makes sense in the terms of mechanics, because Frax right now, the only way for Frax to borrow is through FXBs, right? right. There are many ways for other people to borrow from Frax, but there isn't a reverse transaction going the other way. Right. So I, I think having a tool like that makes sense. Um, I'm not quite sure on the clean mechanic design of borrowing against yeah. the lock liquidity but uh, I, yeah. I, in, in spirit 
I, I agree. Spirit, that's what I'm thinking. It's like somewhere along those lines. There's some kind of facility that will fill the peg if there's ever a DPEG event. How it exactly works, I'm guessing because I, he doesn't really say much about it, but that's along mm. those lines somewhere. And because right, the liquidity right. is locked, Frax can count on that liquidity if it ever needs it for that kind of a DPEG event. Yeah, yep, agreed. So, so there's there's two things that I um, always tell people when they think about stable coins is DPEGging is different from unbacking. Right. Okay, like DPEGging is a liquidity issue. DPEGging, DPEGs happens all day long across so many of these pools. There could be a super tiny pool over there on ARB that has FRAX and that pool is probably DPEGged, right? right? So like DPEGging is a liquidity issue. Ignore that. And yeah. then on the other hand side, unbacking is when the assets in the treasury backing the stable coin is gone. For example, via an exploit or whatever. Right. Like these are very two different things. DPEG is usually a temporary thing that could be fixed with liquidity. Unbacking is a much more deeply rooted issue. Correct. Correct. So any more hunches you got for us? Hunches. Um, well, I do think that, you know, there, there's, there's definitely something big happening with PayPal. I think it's going to happen. It will materialize. There will be a base pool. Um, I think that that's going to be, oh, here's something. Like, I think that we all talk about, oh, is PayPal going to bribe the pools? Yeah, I think they are. I just think it's not PayPal. It's Frax that's going to do it. Because every pool that's paired with the BP with the PayPal base pool, as long as it's paired with P PayPal USD, is going to get bribed. Yeah. So it's the same design as the Frax BP. They they get bribed right now. So yep. the bribes are going to come from Frax, and maybe they're going to get payments from PayPal, just like they get payments from Paxos, and they're going to convert those into bribes, which is going to bribe the pools and boost the, the pools up. A flywheel, one might a call flywheel, it. A flywheel, including PayPal. Yeah, it also makes sense the the part the collaboration with PayPal because yeah, I mean, Frax needs something to mint, like you know, of the the minting and redeeming facility is the curve protocol, and like to mint and so like the average everyday user, you know, going from PayPal to Frax makes the most sense. Like the fiat, the fiat stablecoin and the on-chain stablecoin. Right. Exactly. Can we guys, guys, can we talk about a let's let's assume that this PayPal thing is real. Can we talk about a post PayPal base pool world? What does that look like? A post okay, well I think you're gonna have, you know, fifty meta pools uh, associated with the base pool with, with the PayPal base pool, right? ETH and all the different tokens associated with it. Mm -hmm. Um so maybe fifty tokens paired up with it. It's going to be bigger than than the Frax BP, right? Yeah, um, because I think that Frax is moving away from USDC, uh, you know, and and choosing to use Paxos dollars, which they get paid to hold, and I think they're going to choose to use PayPal dollars, which they're going to get paid to hold too. So the only question is, which one are they going to choose more, depending on how many fees they're getting from different companies, you know? So I think that you're going to see the Frax. PP and the Frax PY, we'll call it, base pools um, paired up with a bunch of, pool, you know, different tokens. And there's going to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of transactions that are going to happen, you know, daily uh, because of movements that are happening in the PayPal app. Um, and they're all going to be behind the scenes, you know, transacted on Curve. 
Um, and so you're go when you use PayPal USD, you're going to be interacting with Curve and with uh, pay with um, uh, Frax because but you just won't see it. It will just be on chain mm -hmm. behind the scenes. You're just going to see the PayPal USD land on your in your PayPal account. See, that's what people aren't seeing. Like I'm seeing it like a fusion. Like Frax confuse their increase their supply, help PayPal increase their supply. You know, and uh, you know it could be if PayPal USD catches on, they have 400 million customers. Then we're talking, you know, mega mega size, you know, curve pools. Yeah, and I, think, also... I think that's probably like two or three years down the road. Like, I don't know if that happens right away. Um, the one thing I'm excited about now, which I, I don't know, you guys probably read uh, Alunara's post, right, about the uh, SDI and SFRAX. Mm -hmm. like, I think that's like more like short term. I think it's going to happen eventually. Like the leverage situation. I, I mean, DJs oh, yeah. are DJs, like yeah. Explain it for for the listeners. What is this SDI, SFRAX, Aluna, uh, Alunara thing? Okay, well, yeah, he posted a really cool post. I, you know, I think I think it was on point. Um, basically, SDI is you know stake die, and SFRAX is stake frax, and earning yields based on uh, you know the Fed, uh, Federal Reserve uh, uh, rates. And so I think, the, you know, if you can get a stable asset that is earning 5% leveraged up 9x, you can get up to 50 or 60%. Now, that's a little bit misleading because, and I've, you know, heard the comments online and all that, but, you know, there's, there's going to be borrow costs that are going to go up. Curve USD is going to, you know, uh, the borrow fees are going to be high. But I think there's mechanics that can be used bribing mechanics and other types of mechanics that can be used to lower the rates while that growth happens. And so I personally, this is kind of a funny take, but I personally think that die is going to help scale curve USD and frax. How so? Because, well, because I think that in this, what's, what's really cool. It's like die, like S die getting paired with curve USD and S die getting paired with frax is going to uh, and is going to boost the supply of frax and curve usd and if they do the leverage thing which i think is going to happen i don't know when it's going to happen maybe it's next year whatever i don't know the time frame but once that leverage takes off you're going to see people earning 20 to 30 percent apy on stable yields stable coins uh you know on curve usd and on frax so the, the the mechanics, just so I can understand, oh, is I see there is a you know. Could you explain how that works mechanically? Yes, yes. Okay, so you have uh, let's use SFRAX since it just launched. We understand it. Okay, you mm -hmm. you take your FRAX, you stake it, you're earning five percent, right? You take your SFRAX, you you deposit as collateral on Curve USD, right? And now you take out you know eighty percent or whatever the loan to value is. You take that out in Curve USD that shoots the Curve USD uh, um, supply up. Then you mm -hmm. take that Curve USD, swap it for more Frax. Now the Frax goes up, and now you're swapping that for for um, you're staking it for more S Frax, and then you're doing it and looping it, you know, nine times. So basically, a hundred million dollars, like Eleanor said in his post, a hundred million dollars of S die or S Frax will boost the supply by a billion dollars of uh, Curve USD or, or, and Frax at, at the same time. 
So the reason why I say like die is actually going to help curve, even though they don't really use the curve system, they have their own PSM, right? Mm-hmm. The supply of S die being leveraged is going to be an explosion on curve and on frax. It's so hard. A similar to mechanic hard. happens on the S die side, right? You could it's going to happen on SDI, both. Like borrow S die is going to have its own leverage, and S frax is going to have its own leverage paired with curve USD, right? And so mm-hmm. frax supply is going to go up. S die supply or die supply is going to go up. And, but who benefits? Curve USD is going to be explosive as far as what they're going to pay. And then all that, those fees go to the CRV. All those fees. Those fees go back to Convex, CVX CRV holders, CRV lockers, which includes FRAX. So they get the fees. And they're going to get the fees on, on leveraged SDI. Talk about so money DAI, Legos. So DAI essentially helps the Curve ecosystem. Because they've got so much supply. Who would have thought uh, hearing those words? No one, no <laughs> one thinking about that. But if you pair now, again, are there some mechanic issues? Are there interest rate issues? Yeah, there, there's, there's, you got to sort a lot of things out. You have yeah. to have a bribing policy. That's where I think bribing is actually a big deal, like incentivizing pools. Uh, you know, I think in the future, that's going to be a much more important aspect of the way things work because i think it's going to be used to control the interest rates on curve usd up to the low side to the downside by creating deep liquidity and it's basically you're just going to have this complete looping it's kind of what happened with i hate to compare it to luna because i don't want to compare anything to luna but if you think about it they were doing it with anchor right they were doing with with their uh with their Luna USD or whatever it was, um, they were taking uh, dollars from there. They were basically UST. They were swapping Mm -hmm. it for uh, whatever other token. And they were going back and depositing more into anchor. Right. And they were leveraged. DGen box. Yeah. It was DGen box. box. But this time it's going to happen with the U S government federal, you know, get it's going to happen with a stable rate. It's it's right. not it's not going to explode because you have a fixed five percent which is now leveraged up. It's not like leveraging ETH where the ETH price can go down, or leveraging Luna where the Luna price can go down. So now you have a stable yield for stable coins that could be anywhere between twenty and thirty percent. Now you have the real anchor, which is going to be SFRAX and SDI in the future. The real use case, the real anchor. Real yield, the real yield anchor. And the reason why I say curve USD is because you're going to want to use that kind of a system because you don't want lever, you you want soft liquidations, right? You don't want if there is a little Uh, bit of a bump, right? You yeah, maybe there's a little bump somewhere in a DPEG event or something, and you want you know you don't want like to get completely liquidated. You want to be able to stay at nine x leverage or eight x leverage or seven x leverage. And you know, still earn 20, 30, 40% on your, your stable coins. So, yeah, CRV USD is the resilient stable coin just in case those like little bit bumps or little right. bit dumps happen. You know, it's it's like the uh, SUV, it's like you know, it's like the Humvee, it's, it's the like utility. yeah, it's the utility. But here's the thing Frack has got something else up their sleeve because when I asked Sam about you know, uh, Fraxland, he said one click leverage. So something is going to, Fraxland is going to launch with one click leverage on SFRAX. 
So they're going to do it themselves. Like Frax is going to have its own party with leverage, leveraging up SFRAX. I'm sure it's going to happen. So you're going to have places like CurveUSD and places like FraxLend that are going to be able to leverage up. You're going to basically be farming the Fed. That's farming the, the Fed. Farming, farming the, Fed. the Fed. That got to farming be the, the meme. Farming the Fed. Yeah, farm the Fed. Farm okay. the Fed. Just Not end the Fed. Way. Farm the Fed. Okay. Let's, think of it this way. Let's say you had a treasury bill in you like standard brokerage account. You got T bills. You got me earning 5%. You would basically have to like margin that account, get a loan, buy more T bills. I don't even know if they would allow you to do that on the same account. There's probably sophisticated TradFi things for stuff like that, but it would be very hard for the common person to do. But with DeFi, you could just one click 9x leverage. You know, uh, a little slider, and now you've earned a <laughs> little slider. <laughs> little slider. You know, you want yeah. seven, eight, nine x. You know, and I think people are going to be able to uh, earn. It's gonna, it's gonna work. Like it's gonna last a little yeah. while. Now, supersize me. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to see stable yields really, really big, and I think that's what's going to start the bull run with this, with Frax, and with in general with like the real world assets. I think that's what's going to. You're going to see millions and millions because they're going to be like, well, why are you going to, why should I go on chain and buy a, a, a T bill or FXB? Why should I do that? Uh, why should I stake Frax if I could just buy a T bill on my own brokerage account? Well, maybe because you could leverage loop it nine times and earn 30% APY. Just maybe. You know, maybe. You know, and, and that's the thing is like, are you earning 30% APY with your T bills in your brokerage account? No. What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? <laughs> What's in your address? So the DGENs are going to come in and yes, but here's the thing. I think that this is one thing that lasts. And I think that if it's done and designed properly, which I think Sam and I know that, you know, Michael from Curve, they kind of know what they're doing. I think you're going to see an explosion and you're going to see real yields that are going to go up. It's not going to stop at 6% for SFRAX. It's going to go to 20 and 30% with, with the leveraging. And it's going to be relatively safe because, you know, you know, you're going to get that 5% from the government. So it's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. Then let me ask you a, a, a follow up to that. Then how would all this amazingness trickle back down into Frax? Is it going to increase? Obviously, the, the circling supply is going to go up and all that. But how about the Treasury itself? Do you think we'll get closer to 100% collateral ratio because of this from all the, well, Frax doesn't charge any fees, right? So how does, you know, yeah. what are the real direct benefits Good to the, the balance that. sheet? You know, that, that is always a big concern is about that collateralization. It's like $60 million that we're, you know, trying to yep. fill a gap on. But, you know, I was thinking about that today. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about, well, first of all, in a bull market, people deposit $60 million in a day. So I, I think we're kind of in this bear market like mentality and we just think like it's going to be impossible and we're never going to get there. Um, I think that PayPal, USD, if I'm right about PayPal, I think PayPal and Paxos are going to both be paying Frax big numbers, like a million plus each per month. And that's going to be from just creating demand for PayPal, USD and for Paxos. And so that number is going to really grow during the bull market, right? And, and then I think that Frax Chain and Frax ETH 
are going to be the next big driver. And I'm not even like in not even discussing Fraxy V2, but like thinking of it broadly, like if if, if there's like 500,000 Frax ETH uh, on, you know, Frax chain and that two token design causes, you know, the APY to skyrocket to 9%, you're going to see a huge number of, I think you're going to see an exit, like a huge number of Frax uh, staking on chain. And that that yield is going to grow so, so big. Um, Ethereum 10Xs. So the yield 10Xs, right? You're, we're all forgetting about what happens in a bull market. But when you get Ethereum at $10,000, I mean, what you're earning every day in frax, in, in ETH staking rewards is a lot bigger. So if we get to a million staked frax ETH, you know, and it's earning 7, 8, 9% because a lot of it is on frax chain, which is coming in December or January, whenever, whenever that launches you're going to have a huge inflow of Frax ETH and that's going to be a huge driver for income along with partnerships with PayPal and Paxos. So I think, you know, Frax can earn 50 to $100 million a year. So when we talk about a $60 million gap, we're talking about maybe a year and a half. Everybody's like, oh, that could be five years, 10 years to get. No, no I don't think it's going to be like that. You know, you're right. not thinking big enough. Because those are bull market numbers, right? Because in, yeah, in the bear market, market yeah, right yeah. now it's 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 quite pain, and I mean that's what sure. bears are made of, you yeah, know. So I, I I get that, and but then you you you've only really used Frax ETH as like the core revenue driver. How about this whole S Frax leveraging thing? Like, do you see any direct value accrual to the treasury here, or is it more I, of I don't just think it's a, a it's FXBs. It's FXBs. I think SFRAX is going to generate fees for like, it's the transactions on the pool, right? But I don't think it's generating, like they're not, FRAX is not charging like a mint fee or anything like that. But the FXBs is where FRAX can earn additional. Sam has been really quiet about this too. And it's it's hard to explain because it's it's complex, but FRAX can issue an FXB for a certain duration, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. we'll say just like a three-year bond. I'm sorry, a three-month bond. But they might have they might have like an extra month, an extra couple of days before they issue the frac before they have to the liability to issue the fracs on January 1st of whatever year that they're doing because they're doing it like in yearly. So that extra time, whether it's a month or two months, that, that I call that like that overlap gap. Mm-hmm. That is where they can either stake it on stake fracs to earn extra yield, or they could stake it on frax land, or they could do other things with it. And that's in the millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're going to earn all this extra fees on on like kind of like leftover FXB uh, transactions. It's hard to explain. It's hard to understand. But the FXBs, the way they're set up, the way I understand them, like there for certain time periods and if you buy one like let's say you buy like we're in what we're in um november so it's kind of like a so yeah so we're in november right now if you had to buy a bond you're going to buy a three-month bond and it's gonna it's gonna mature in uh january you know mm-hmm. but and maybe that's not even a good example because it's not long enough like maybe you buy a six-month bond and it matures in the following january you know, and that extra time is like time that Frax can use to do other things with the yield. 
And that's what I think people are, are missing. It's hard to explain it, uh, but I think there's a lot of mechanics that's going on behind the scenes with uh, the way they're going to issue FXBs that is going to be a huge revenue adder uh, besides Frax ETH. Frax ETH, we have FXBs, we have ban. <laughs> Frax chain, like we have so much stuff on the horizon. It's like, what? It, I don't even know what excites me the most. Like, I mean, uh, Reston, what excites you the most? What? Man, I, I mean, the FXBs on Curve is like. Oh it's, yeah, it's a bond. It's a bond market on Curve. I know it's crazy. So, man. Like nobody's talking about it. Like, why is nobody talking about how Curve is about to become a bond market? Well, we talked I about mean, it earlier, right when uh. The curve viper fiasco happened and you know that those facilities were started the the right. with the the f tokens it was like oh wait like this could be used for frax bonds in the future and so like you know necessity breeds innovation and that's a clear case in point of that yeah and there's a lot of use cases for the frax bonds like we don't really we can't think about it now but i'm sure DAOs are going to want to use it you know they're going to want to mint a lot of X fxbs for like you know it for their treasuries um, they could be streamed as rewards. Uh, they could use. They could be used as incentives. I mean, there's there's a whole world of things you know that can happen. Um, I'm excited about. I, I also think that there's going to be an explosion of uh, incentivization, bribing that is way beyond what like we can comprehend. I I, I think yeah. You that, mentioned you mentioned that earlier. Can you go into what you mean well, by that? Convex guy, right? So I obviously I, I understand that whole world. And the truth is, Frax has been you know has had their cake and eating it too because they're they've basically had their way with all of the curve emissions for the whole bear market, like everything. They pretty much monopolized the whole thing, which is great. I mean, they've been able to accumulate as much CVX as possible. Mm -hmm. They've got the cheap emissions. They're earning for their pools, which is, which is awesome. But here's the thing. If we really want to be a true flywheel, there has to be someone else on the other side, you know, that's going to push that counterbalance. That's going to get the flywheel really turning. And I think there's going to be, eventually there's going to be, uh, whether it's USDM or, you know, Paxos, I, I don't even know if it'd be Paxos. If, there will be other like stablecoin projects that will start incentivizing. Curve price will go up. Um, and I think that uh, Frax will start incentivizing FXB pools. So people will want to, you know, mint more FXBs. So, you you know, and they're going to be bribing SFRAX pools probably too, so that people are going to be incentivized to mint more SFRAX, you know. That's another thing like about uh, Curve that I don't think people will get. And it's complicated, so it's hard to understand it. I, I understand that it's complex. But I don't see Curve as just a DEX. And, and Sam is right about that. Like mm. Curve is not just a swap deck, a swapper. It, it's not a DEX. It is an incentivization tool. And there is nothing else like it in DeFi. Like, and here's an example. Let's say I want to, and, and we saw it a little bit with the Viper hack. Let's say I want to, I, you know, I'm MakerDAO and I want, you know, people to come stake their die, right? Well, I just advertise a 5% rate and that's it. That's that's what they, that's what MakerDAO does. They, they don't go beyond that, right? It's like the rate now is 8%. Everybody apes in, right? But in Curve, it's different. See, in Curve, they can you could set up a pool, you could set up a Frax S Frax pool, 
okay? And you can throw $10,000 of incentives at it and you get an APY that's, you know, 7,000% in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So it incentivize, I call Curve the incentivizor. So it incentivizes people to go to FRAX, to mint the SFRAX, to get that, uh, to, to stake the FRAX, get the SFRAX and deposit it in the pool. DAI doesn't do that. Maker doesn't do that. And so FRAX knows how to use these mechanics to their advantage. It's like a lever and a fulcrum. They can really, really apply pressure with bribing and incentives to get what they want out of the system. And so Frax is about to get what it wants out of the system very soon. Like I think with the launch of SFRAX and FXBs, and they're going to use incentives in a very creative way. Look at what happened with the Viper hack. You remember that night when Michael went on, on the Telegram group and he's like, he just created this, this um, LP pair for Frax. And it's like, Oh, he was able to basically get out of that whole lending situation by incentivizing Right, people to lend their his, their curve curve to Fraxland. So with curve, you can incentivize almost anything, and that's where I think Frax kind of understands. Sam understands that, and so I think there's a big there's going to be an ex, a Cabrian explosion of incentives and 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 growth and leverage that's about to it's about to hit. Uh, we don't see it yet, but I think and I think. January, February, I think we're going to start to really see that start that ball to start uh, snowball. So once there are other projects in the arena playing these bone incentive bribe games, that's when the flywheel really kicks in. Exactly. And, and basically like what was supposed to happen with the four pool before that shit blew up, right. uh, it's going to like happen a it's much more. It's going to happen again. And it might actually be PayPal. It it ironically fun. might be PayPal, like they might be giving Frax for whatever, you know, X number of dollars um, per month. Um, and, you know, they for for minting uh, a PayPal user or for holding PayPal users, just like they do for Paxos. And because PayPal can't technically bribe or incentivize a pool, but Frax can. And so they're just taking their income and just basically pairing it up, like doing what they do with the Frax BP. They're going to be bribing all the PayPal pools, just like they do with Frax BP. So they are essentially going to get bribed by Frax through with using PayPal income, PayPal revenue. So yeah, I think that could happen, and I'm sure it could happen with other uh, USDM, uh, Athena. Um, there's just, I, I mean, there's Curve USD is going to get you know a certain mm-hmm. amount of bribe, and there's all these different dynamics that are going to come play. You can't have a flywheel with just one player. That's not a flywheel. Think about it. You got a you got a flywheel. Yep. You got you know it's got a turn, right? You need one on one side and one on the other side to turn. So I think there's going to be two or three big dominant players, and it's going to leverage up. That incentives along with leverage are going to explode frax and um, uh, and and die. And oh, we're cooking here. Incentives, yeah. leverage. Yeah, Stables. Yeah. Yes. This yes. is the ingredients all, all, for the ball run. All, all the ingredients for like, you know, all the, the ingredients the, for the Powerpuff girls, right? Some sugar, spice, everything nice and everything's exactly, going to blow up. Exactly. But we, we need I, people to make that meme. So, so, so Krita Vesa, I, I want to, you know, switch gears a bit and go into the other side of the flywheel, which is the curve convex side. 
you're obviously a huge proponent of that ecosystem as well. Um, Could you share a bit more about what are the latest happenings? What is, you know, the the price action, the community action, things of that nature? Sure. Um, Well, you know, I mean, we're in a bear market, so it's obviously quiet. But um, but, you know, I I think there's some really big moves that Convex made in the in recent uh, last couple of weeks. Um, and I think it affects Frax too, to a degree. You know, I, I think them acquiring Prisma and, mm-hmm. um, you know, FXN, which I think is huge too. I really like what FXN is doing with, uh, you know, we do for, here. For so I think that, you know, they're going to be accumulating those tokens. I do think that Curve is still going to be, you know, in, during the next bull market, I think mm-hmm. that we're going to see a lot more Curve getting added to Convex. Um, and then I think that, it's going to be a major player of this whole incentivization game, you know, like, um, and then I think, I'm sorry, that, what, what's Prisma and, and, and FXN? I thought I was thinking of FX protocol, but that's different. No, FXN is FX protocol. That's, that is FX protocol. Oh, that's okay. Token, FXN. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's Prisma, right. Prisma's kind of cool because Prisma, and this relates to Frax. So Prisma is kind of like a curve for staking LSDs. So they have their Prisma token, which is, hasn't come out yet. But like, think of it this way. You'll have a platform you can, you know, where Frax and Lido and all these different players, you deposit their, I mean, users come in and deposit the, the LSDs, right? But mm-hmm. Frax can incentivize through their CVX, can, in, can vote for more of the Prisma to go to um, a pool. That's- so that Frax ETH is the more dominant player in the Prisma system. So it gets everybody else having to, you know, use uh, incentives, more Prisma tokens so that so that otherwise Lido is going to be way down and Frax ETH is going to be way up. And because they already own a lot of CVX, they already have a head start on the voting and that's mm. going to boost Frax ETH usage. And it's gonna, it's it's also gonna increase revenue because Frax is, you know, so Prisma is sort of like a, an auxiliary tool that can be used to boost Frax ETH, um, and FXN. Right now, you have you you're able to deposit staked Lido in FXN, but in the future, I have a feeling we're gonna be seeing staked Frax ETH in there. Yes, we and talked about that. So yeah, so once that happens, you're gonna you're seeing Frax dominate using their convex, right? And that's where I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of incentive games. There's a lot of other things happening. I, Sam mentioned something about, you know, a special VE tokenomics for uh, FXS uh, or FPIS holders, I think it is, or or FPIS lockers. Like there's like a special bribing mechanism for these, uh, for these tokens. Like I'm not even sure what he's talking about because it's so new. Like he mentioned it once in the Telegram and I – I just happen to see it, but yeah, there's going to be some pretty interesting things going on in the next couple of months. Uh, I have a, a question. So my light keeps going on and off, but yeah. So the, my question is, um, you you said earlier, you know, like Frax has effectively like monopolized one the curve wars, um, and like one effect of that is you had a lot of DeFi projects were like not a lot, but like you had some DeFi projects, certain DeFi brands like, oh, we're going to go like do try to go to Aura now. Oh, like go to like to like this, the the hot yeah. new VE33, this and that. Um, yeah. 
I guess like, wh- how do you like, because everybody wants to like, you know, win the war of like said VE system. How do you get like projects like back to curve and like say like, hey, like you're going to get more value from curve than if you try to like, you know, go to like a smaller place. And, you know, I, I think that balancer is probably going to do okay too. I'm, I'm not yeah. like anti-balancer in any way, but when you, when you hear someone, a project launching a stable coin, they're not, they're, their first reaction isn't, oh, let me put, let me pull up a balancer pool. It, yeah. It's just not, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to say it that way, but that's <laughs> the truth. I mean, like they all launch curve pools and I don't hear anybody talking about a Uniswap pool for, you know, AMOs, you know, like no one does that. That's why I say Curve is more than just a DEX. It's a tool like Mint and Redeem. It's a tool to create stable swaps so that a stable coin can actually run effectively. And um, Balancer may be able to do it because from what I hear, there's a lot of code related to, and I'm really cool with, you know, I know Redacted is using them. I'm pretty cool. You know, I like what Sam, Sammy is doing there. You know, that's another stable coin, like, you know, Dinero, you know, like, that's an all. I mean, we're getting so many of them, and I think they're going to be using Balancer and Aura and and Curve as well. But I don't think that, and I think there's room for every one of them. Like it's not like one or the other. Uh, I think that there could be room for you know two or three players like that without really it being too big of a problem. Suppose it's not like someone has to win. Yes, you know, I, I but like I do that. think it's interesting that Uniswap, you know, flipped the the the, the semi fee switch. You know, recently. yeah, I can't think of yeah. like a bigger dichotomy in crypto than Uniswap versus Curve. Yeah. Like one yeah. is like pro, pro, like protocol centric, the other is more uh, oh, that's you know the other way, the, the vice versa. Yeah, I mean way. Uniswap. I mean, I hate to say it because it's it is what it is, but it's like a useless token. You, it doesn't earn you anything, and that kind of came to light now with this last thing that they did, where they turned on a fee switch to use the front end. I mean, okay, I'm okay with that. Everybody's allowed to do whatever they want. That's fine, but but what about the token holders? You know, like do you know where that goes? Does the zero point that it goes to the labs? It goes to the labs. It goes to the investors. Mm-hmm. So these guys are taking in, you know. The LPs are taking in funds, and now the the labs taking it. It's like, but the token holders aren't getting nothing, you know. And just that's why I see like, and, and not to mention that Uniswap probably has that great volume, and and people use it. It's simple to use. It's very simple interface and all of that. But as far as stablecoin design, it's Curve, and it's curve, we just have 100%. to understand what it is. And as far as winning the Curve Wars, yeah, I think like Frax already won it, like. They already have the majority of the pools. Most everything is paired with Frax and more to come. Um, they have a lot of CVX. They're probably going to continue to get more CVX. Um, they probably are working with two big companies like Paxos and PayPal, which are going to now, you know, they're going to, Sam's got those ears, right? He's probably talking to those people. He's like, hey guys, you might want to buy some CVX. You might want to start voting for your pool. You might, you know, things like that are happening behind the scenes. We just don't see them. Various things are occurring. Exactly. Uh, I you know since you're part of the uh, the Frax information distribution and network, kind of like this like hive mind we have here with the in, within the Frax community. What are your thoughts on you know how Frax information is dispersed throughout DeFi and crypto in general? Because it's funny, like some crazy things will get announced by Sam. Like for example, Frax chain like back in June, July, when we were interviewing Sam about Frax ETH v2. And then like the last third of the interview was just all about Frax chain. And me and Kit are just sitting there like. 
Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. And then like we published an article about it and then it took like two days for like to get picked up. And then after like you saw that the, uh, the wider crypto community react, uh, accordingly, I'll put it that way. Um, but like, yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on like how, like, cause Frax doesn't have traditional marketing, uh, yeah. per se, or, you know, we, me, it's obviously yeah. a weak spot, right? I, I mean, to be yeah. to be completely honest, right? So it's it is a weak spot. I understand, you know, Sam's stance on it. Um, I'm not against it. I don't think it's a. I think that as Frax grows, uh, more like outlets are going to be like opened up. Like you know, you, you know, like what you guys are doing, what I'm doing. There's probably. I would love to have a team, you know, of like 10 or 20 people like me that are just putting out information. And I think there's going to be analysts too. I mean, think about it. When you get into the billions, I don't think it's just going to be five or six developers. Like there's going to be more. It's just not there yet. But yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's probably slow to get information out. Um, they love to, to leak stuff out like in the middle of the night. I mean, I was I up at three in the morning, you know, the day that they launched SFRAX, I was like, is this going to happen or like what, you know? <laughs> they just love to do stuff just really late yeah. at night. And, and, and they're Especially good brutally on like a Thursday or a Friday too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? It's, no, it's coming tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow at midnight. You know, it's like, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that eventually I think that's going to fill in. There's probably going to be a role for someone in like a business development. But I'm thinking, you know, wait for Frax to get to, you know, a, a couple of billion, you know, 10 billion supply, yeah. 20 billion, 30 I, billion. Then you're going to see different things happen. Yeah. I, I really like it right now. I get where Sam's coming from um, in terms of it's all organic. Right. I mean, yeah, we get like a grant from the Frax now, but like sure. Frax doesn't tell us like directly like, Oh, what to do with this and that. No, like we're right. pretty independent. And like oftentimes, like, well, like, especially with a uh, frax check over the past several months, it isn't the most flattering per se. Yeah. Um, I call but it's it all change, though, guys. That's yeah. about to change yeah. because, you know, with yeah. the growth of SFRAX and FXBs, you're, you're going to see some, some big changes. I really do think the bull run is going to start early next year. And I think that's going to top out. Uh, oh, you think it's going to be early? You're, you're super bullish. I'm super bullish. I think that I think the top is going to be in January, first quarter of 2025. I don't think everybody thinks it's going to be in November. I think it's a little bit pushed forward. Like I think it's going to be a little sooner. And I think it starts on in January of 2024. So Uh, we get a full year of a full year of ballistic growth. It could, yeah, that'd be. I because like I'm thinking like juke juke fake because just like I just but like I no no no, 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 here's why here's why here's the here's now maybe all coins won't do so well like right in the first half of 2024 but they will in the second half but um I do think that uh the Bitcoin ETF will get approved on January 10th uh if you look at that chart that's been floating around everybody seems to float it around but nobody seems to talk about the dates January 10th is like the it's not the last date on there I think it's March 15th but I don't think they want to wait until March 15th. That's just a month before the halving. I, I think they want in before they want to get that all set up and, and fixed up earlier. So then the, the date before March 15th is January 10th. And I think they'll all get approved on that week. Um, and then I think you're going to see an explosion. Uh, Bitcoin probably runs up to four, it'll probably be 35, 40,000 by the time January rolls around. And then I think you see it run up to 45, 50. 
And then you might start seeing February, you know, March, April, you start seeing some of the, the alts run a little bit. Along with the ETF has been this carrot on a stick in front yeah. of me since I first got into crypto. Since, oh, yeah, me too. S- since Dude, 2014. Yeah, oh, 2014. I've been talking about it forever. Yeah, so listen, two- mock my words, it is going to happen within the next 90 days. It is going to, we are going to get an ETF. You can, you got it on video. You're, we are going to get okay. an ETF. I, I don't know if it's going to be December, if it's going to be January, maybe it's February, but we are going to get an ETF early next year. It is going to happen. Watch. I mean, we saw what happened with the fake news and Cointelegraph, like, like, right. yeah, price, exactly. but, yeah. like you, yeah. things like that don't just happen. They're kind of like signs, like in the making, like that doesn't just happen unless it's going to happen. You know, it's like, it's going to happen, guys. I mean, you don't so, have so, guys like okay. BlackRock and all these people involved without that stuff happening. So, so, so let me ask you a more practical question then. How do we position for that? Yeah, that's a good question because I've been thinking about that all a lot. I think... Let's brainstorm. This is well, not financial advice. All of us are extremely biased, obviously, without even right. needing to say it. All right. Okay, so I think that... I think that um, well, I don't know if you guys are into Bitcoin, but I mean, I think that Bitcoin will probably run between January and March, April. Uh, no, a little bit past that because of the, the halving, right? So I think July, August, September, you, you're going to have this kind of build up to like 60,000 again, probably August, September. And then once that happens, then all the alts just kind of explode, like right at the, the previous all time high of like 65, 66, that whatever it was. So I think um, I think alts run from September onward until probably March of 2025. Okay, so, so wait, hold on. Let's let's look at the timeline, right? So you're saying from January to March is like the May is BTC time. January then, to September. January to September or, is going. I, to I don't be. because remember. Well, let's, April is the uh, is the having. So May, June, July, maybe. July, August, September area. That's when things start getting hot, right, with Bitcoin. And then mm-hmm. people start taking that Bitcoin, start moving it into Ethereum. I would say around that August, September-ish area in 2024. And it runs up until February, March. ETH runs up until February, March 2025. Tops out around March 2025. And then we see a drop. And I mean, it could be topping out at 10,000. You know, maybe fifteen thousand. My 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 target is eight to ten thousand on ETH. I'm sorry, eight to fifteen thousand on ETH, and uh, on Bitcoin, it's uh, anywhere between ninety and one hundred twenty thousand. See, I don't think it's going to be huge gate. Like everybody's talking about two fifty and two. Like I think that's what's going to cause the altcoins and ETH to run even harder because they're going to be like, okay, it went from sixty to one twenty. Uh, okay, I got I got a two X. You know, and they're going to run into ETH and it's going to go from 1500. It's going to run up to 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's going to do its thing. And then you're going to see the FXSs of the world. I mean, I'm thinking $100 plus, you know, $150 for FXS. I'm thinking $100 for CVX. Um, You know, and then the revenue starts building up. When are these? These are, I guess, in January 2025 then? Yeah, like you're going to start seeing that move in January 2025, and it probably tops out in March of 2025. That's so what $150? Yeah. Oh, yeah, not like financial advice. Like a 30X. No. 
Dude, yeah, that, that CR rate <laughs> ratio would be it's done. It's like it's, it's cleaned out. <laughs> cleaned out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's done. That's why I think everybody's thinking kind of too small, you know. And honestly, like it could be even higher. Like effect if if the treasury bill thing really catches on and like there's ten billion dollars in frac supply and curve has got a hundred billion dollars on curve and you know, curves is probably trading, you know, ten dollars, six to ten dollars. You know, the incentives are going nuts. They're, you know, crazy. So, yeah, I think that could happen. Yeah. And then, of course, the music stops at some point. Something bad's going to happen. It always does. And we, we rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. OK, so so get, you know, go back to your reliable BTC early Yo next reliable. year. Yeah, and then halfway through the year, switch yep. it back to our homegrown uh, Ethereum. Run it back our, to ETH. Run it back yeah, to yeah, the home turf, home turf, right. and then for the beginning of 2025, you kind of go to the far outfields. Go into and the far outfield, and all, yeah, exactly. Got it. Exactly. That's kind of this, what it, this really, is that's your, not that this is your, How far away is that? That's 12 months away. 13. Yeah. Months, this is your this is your bull market playbook brought to you by Crypto Investor. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> and you know we're gonna we're gonna this is gonna be recorded so we're gonna be able to come back to it. I, mean, yeah, I really am a believer of it. I've been watching the charts uh, every day, um, studying everything, and I think that's that's a very realistic target. You know, I think that people think that the top was really in November of 2021. It's really not what happened. The top really was in May of 2021. May, and yeah. that really puts it out a lot longer. If you add those months, that's why I think the target is closer to the beginning of 2025, first quarter, than the end of – and if it's the end of 2025, okay, that means we run up further. I mean I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be sad about that. But I, I do think that <laughs> that's like, I want to be wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I remember that like because we, we had the double top. Mm-hmm. And, and the second, I don't think we're going to get a double top this time. Yeah, I the, think it's going to be a big blow off top. You know, it's it's never the same. It's like whatever you think it's going to happen, everybody's comparing COVID. Everybody's no. comparing the drop we had in March. It's not happening. It, it's think, just not. <laughs> like the one lesson I learned is you can't put a number on it. But yeah. we have these expectations, and you have like a playbook to follow. But if you say like, oh, like this is my number to sell or like, oh, like we reaches that or this, I'm going to do this. You can't play it like that. You just have to like no. play it like the numbers can be like a guide, but they aren't like set in stone. Exactly. And you have to, you, the way to play mm-hmm. it is just like see the environment or the market and then see the top signals, like see the top signals. And once you see them, like once you see Ty Lopez run, <laughs> once yeah, you see like yeah. talking about Olympus. Yeah. Once you see yeah. Ty Lopez doing something with FXS sell <laughs> oh god yo yeah. ty lopez actually had a olympus fork i'm I like know. Get, that was insane it should have been my signal <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah yeah my Very you know great. yeah like so, but that's yeah. my point like you when you start seeing celebrities and you start seeing everybody talking about when your grandma's calling you about crypto advice mm-hmm. sell this you is know, yes. like when your neighbors start asking you about how to log into coinbase sell you know, my, my, my favorite top signal, the one that worked best for me was I have a friend uh, who's on, she's on multiple dating apps. And like when she like matches with someone and they start, you know, talking like they know everything about Bitcoin and they like know that once they like talk, once they talk like, like that, then 
like, and I remember, I'll never forget, she was like sending me screenshots, like, Dave, this is the time, like, 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 like time. the first time, yeah, like, first time I didn't listen, and then the second time she was doing it, like, I saw one message, I felt like so much, like, shame. I'm just but like, here's uh, the thing, guys, here's the problem, like, okay, so call it, let's say it's March 2025, it Bitcoin's at like one, 120 or 115 or whatever the number is. And things are toppy, things are feeling, but you know what's going to happen, man. You, we've been there before. You know, they're going to talk about the ETF and how many millions of dollars are coming into the EF and institutions are coming and we're going to 250. And it's it's going to be like yeah. ballistic insane. Like, honestly, I think it's going to be bigger than the last run because the last run, we didn't really have the institutions. Like, but when you have like 10 ETFs or six ETFs getting approved, you're going to have so much hype. CNBC, Fox Business, blah, blah, blah. It's all this. Like, we never had any of that. Like, yeah, we had Luna. You know, we had Luna. We had, you know, Doquan. Do we had, you know, Three so, Arrows Cap. I mean, nothing on the level of what's happening with Bitcoin. It's going to make the last cycle look like the minor leagues. Like, these are like it the is. major. It is. Yeah. Now, I don't think Bitcoin goes to 250 this cycle. I think it's more like 90 to 130, you know, it's it's in that range. People are going to be disappointed with that because they're going to think it should have gone to 250, just like last time. It's the same thing. But I think Ethereum, Ethereum could have a run because I think Ethereum is one cycle behind Bitcoin. Like, remember when Bitcoin was like 1,500, 2,000, it ran all the way up to 20,000. I mean, it ran all the way up to 20,000. So Ethereum could have a pretty big run. I don't know about 20, that, that seems a little too much, but Eight to fifteen is certainly within the, and maybe it's twelve, you know, somewhere in there. But hey, I don't think we're going to be complaining about a twelve thousand dollar Ethereum, a hundred fifty dollar FXS, you know. No I'll be complaining about gas for sure. You're going to be complaining but, about gas. I'm not. You got to go on frac chain. You got to go on frac chain. But then I got to go on frac chain. All yeah. right, guys, this has been too, too, too bully for me. I, I need to come in and rein and operate yeah. a little bit. Okay. Uh, Crypto investor, what are some of my favorite R word risks? that you see on the timeline here risk. what if the etf doesn't get approved what if that's what not if, gonna happen if? but let's let's say it doesn't let's we don't need an etf we've never needed an etf bitcoin has survived through everything all kinds of crazy things people will always continue to buy and ethereum has use cases it never had in the last cycle so even if we don't get an etf maybe we don't get an etf and maybe it only runs up to ninety thousand, you know instead of 150. but oh it, so, it, so your timeline is still the same it's still the same i think those cycles are pretty much you know part of the way bitcoin works with uh just think about it when the halving happens literally it it, it costs the the miners two times as much to produce one Bitcoin. So what are they going to sell it for? So if it's if, if it costs them 20 grand on average right now, and in, in April, it's going to be 40 grand to produce the same Bitcoin. I mean, it just has to organically go up. So yeah, it'll go up. Maybe it doesn't go up to 150,000 with no ETF, but I don't, I, I'm not buying that. But yeah, it is a risk. That's a risk. You know, what's another risk? Frax. Let's talk about frax, frax risks. You know, like I think you know the real world assets is a real risk. You know, I mean, what if the bank account gets frozen? You know, that's a. I'm thinking about that. Like, what if you know that bank account gets frozen? What? It, I mean, I don't think there's a real legitimate reason for it to get frozen. But let's just say the government is doing some crazy stuff, and they want to freeze the account. Well, then there goes S Frax, and there goes the FXBs, right? So, 
And and you know what? And I'm not saying this is going to happen with Frax, but it's going to be something like that that causes the next bear market. Like it won't be like it won't be Doquan like steady lads, you know, deploying more capital. It'll be like the government subpoena that got issued to XYZ stablecoin that shut down their bank accounts. And then boom. You know, it's something like that could happen. We got to admit that's probably likely scenario. I'm not saying it's going to happen to Frax. I don't think it will. It could happen yeah, to another stablecoin no. provider. It could be anyone. It could be smaller ones. But something like that. That's a risk. But I hope to get out before that happens. <laughs> don't we all? I, I think one risk also is we haven't really got into it is eigenlayer uh, rehypothecation and restaking. Yeah. If it's just yeah, like that's a risk, guys. Like, that's a risk. I love like, the concept, but I love it too. We've had Shiram on and like Yeah, yeah. They're smart, great, super smart super people. Like smart. I've watched, yeah. yeah. If there's if there's someone that can solve that problem, it's that. But like yeah, I just gotta like look into I, that just like screams that just screams at me. I'm just like Well here's another thing, right? Like you're talking about the eigenlayer, but it's also the sticking derivatives, right? Like I'm not talking about Frax ETH because I think they're solid, but I think you're gonna have ETH failures. You know, stake ETH failures. Like, and I don't think Lido and I don't think Frax ETH, but what about Stakewise or, you know, all these new ones, Figment and uh, there, there's there's going to be ETH failures. So what happens when you have like them collapse and they're like used for leverage and they're used for all these stable coins that are being issued? Like, we're not going to see, it's going to be Luna-like, but it's not going to be scammy in a way like, it's not a scam, but it's just going to be a a problem with the way it was designed, like a design flaw, you know? Yeah. That's a uh, risk. One, one last question for me, and then we'll go to the lightning round. Um, what last words of advice do you have people going into this cycle? We we had like, oh, this is how you prepare, like, oh, this is a risk you to watch out for. Like, what are some like words of advice you have for people going into the next 12 to 24 months? Remain cool. You know, um, don't get too excited in the bull market. We all do. It's happened to the best of us. Like I'm included. Um, you're going to see the discord page, like fly. You're not going to be able to read the messages. Telegram's going to be off the chain. You know how, like right now you can just post something in telegram and like a month later come and it's still sitting there. Like that is not going to happen in the bull run, right? Like there's going to be so much craziness and there's going to be a lot of scams too and all that. So try to like like tone that down and focus on the main areas like one of the things that i'm going to do is i'm going to focus on fracks i'm going to focus on con i've kind of picked three four five protocols that i kind of focus on because if i try to spread my time on all these mm-hmm. like i see people on twitter they're like they're talking about this and then that and then this and it's like dude like i don't even know like what this does like my money's yeah. in here but i don't know how so focus on a couple of good core protocols you know, I really think Frax is safe. I think Convex is safe. Curve, you know, even though this hack happened, I really think long term it'll be safe. And I think if you focus on those areas, like you'll anything you'll, else, anything else, uh, yeah. I think you should. I, I, I mean, not financial advice, but when you see people like getting euphoric, start selling. Like just, yeah. just don't be stupid and start selling something because yeah. biggest mistake is not selling at the top. And we're going to get a top. It's going to happen. Mass euphoria is when we're, we're out of buyers. Mass, uh, you know, depression panic. is mass panic. <laughs> Ma- mass capitulation is when we're out of sellers. And right. I feel like we are at 
if not i mean we're past i think we're past capitulation so we're past we're past, we're past that past. you know it's just kind of boring now and it's that boring period but yeah. we've only got a couple more months of that and then things start picking up and remember if the bitcoin etf happens in january that's really going to ignite a bit i mean if it's what i think it's going to happen just look at the dates then i think we really start seeing then some we really movement. run it yeah yeah i mean right. it'll take a year to happen like it'll it'll be steady all throughout the year of 2024 into 2025 It'll be yeah. steady or, or like steady growth, like, you know, ah, like ah, ah, moving it, up, it, Bitcoin moving up, it. you know, got it, got it, got it. So not non-parabolic, not, uh, well, you know, parabolic. I mean, I think <laughs> 20,000 to 120 is, is a is, good parabola. Yeah, it, I love how this episode went from being like all about fracks and all about curve convex. And then it's just like your, your handbook, your guide to the 2024, 2025 ball run. Well, you know, it's a little bit of everything, I guess. And, you know, and it all relates. It's all it's all tied in. Like, not all just priced in. It's all tied in. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and with that, let's let's transition over to the lightning round here. And we usually do these at the end of the pod. Crypto Vester just I'm sure, you know, since, since you're uh, yeah, yeah, a fan of the pod. So, yeah. you know, we got to get to know the man behind the profile picture. And I'm going to kick it off with what was your virgin crypto experience? and sex doesn't count when did you first touch the blockchain okay i downloaded the bitcoin wallet the original bitcoin wallet on my phone oh. friend of mine yeah friend of mine uh told me to download it he had some bitcoin and he wanted to show me how it works and he sent me a dollar worth of bitcoin and i thought i was like well you're so cheap man you just sent me a dollar but it happened in like two seconds and i that when i saw it arrive on my phone I was that was it done like that was my first experience on chain wow so that okay. was not with a with a sex or that was not with it was perfect it was, perfect yeah that, that was a great answer 2014 when bitcoin was a uh, hundred 150 dollars or something like that yeah uh and then second question is what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity hobbies and interests off-chain oh man Lately, it's been a lot of fracks, guys. I'm not going to lie. It's like, okay, when I'm not, uh, I mean, I like going out in nature. I like going for walks with my wife and, you know, uh, spending time with family. Um, I like traveling. So I like going places and I like, uh, but I do like being outdoors and I do like being outside. Literally touching grass. Literally. I have to, guys, I literally have to touch grass because being, doing this, like, you know, what feels like not 24 seven, but I mean, it, it, you know, it really wears on, it wears on. It's not easy space to be in, especially in a bear market, but yeah, I do do that. I do get out there. I do, t- I do literally touch the grass yeah. to ground myself. What would be some advice to your younger self? Oh man. Oh man. That's a good one. Um, well, I wish I could have bought more Bitcoin at um you know i think um i think I, if i could change something i would i would try to be more patient you know just to just to exercise <laughs> more patience um i like to i'm kind of high energy and i like to i'm really passionate like you can hear me you know i'm just really passionate about everything and um patience is sometimes really important and i think i have to exercise that patience that, is that a virtue it is it is and um if you weren't in crypto finance or tech mm-hmm. what would your professional career path be 
I would be an architect. So that not without hesitation, architect. That was my plan when I was younger. It was to be an architect, and so yeah, I that's kind of where I stu- I studied, uh, you know, architecture and and drafting and that kind of thing. Uh, so that's my background too. I originally before I got into tradfi, and so yeah, so I would probably be an architect. What's your favorite building? Oh, favorite building and or building style. Building style, I'd imagine you'd have one. Oh, modern. I love the modern stuff. Ah, okay, got it. Completely modern stuff, like, you know. So you're like, fuck. Like Dubai, like like all the the new buildings they're building in Dubai, that kind of thing. I like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. So you're like, fuck, like, all those, you know, Roman statue uh, Twitter accounts are like, what prevents you from building this? Or like this, and you know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the thing. I love Roman Empire. I mean, I know that was a TikTok thing a couple of weeks back where everybody's talking about, you know, my wife asked me, she's like, well, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I'm like, I don't know, once a week? (laughs) She's sort of laughing. And and it's true. It's like, I I always kind of, I always liked, you know, the architecture of Roman Empire and that type of thing. So I I think about it. yeah. Egyptian, Egyptian, um, you know, uh, history and that kind of thing too. The, the the building and the structures, the pyramids. That's kind of interesting to me too, coming from an architectural background. Oh, so we got modern and we got ancient Egypt. We got a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a little bit of everything here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and final question for me: um, Who do you want to see on the next episode of Flywheel? Who would you recommend as a guest? Oh, man, you guys have had so many good ones. Uh, I have, t- I have two that I can think of that I don't think you've, I don't think you've had. Mm-hmm. Rune from MakerDAO. Mm-hmm. Like you got to nice. get him on. Like he knows, he knows Sam. He's, I'm sure, I'm sure that could be arranged. Like Rune, Absolutely. he's a brilliant guy. You know, I don't always agree with everything he his ideas, but but I think that you have to listen to him, and it's got to be in a good perspective for Frax. And the other one, which might be a sleeper, um, is Charlene from FX Protocol. Another one. Okay, this is a second yeah. recommendation. For yeah, I, I think she's okay. really really bright, um, and I don't think people kind of I don't think people know her now. She's very quiet, and I think she's really mm-hmm. reserved, but her her um what she's doing with fx protocol and with fxn um with the 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 um the leveraged eth is mm-hmm. pretty pretty impressive so and i think how she's been grinding for the past three years all yeah, throughout the bear two three exactly. years you know exactly. between like the first products they created a lot in dow with yeah. uh cl- i'm really you know, close concentrated. To yeah um you know Const- now that they're kind of part of the convex family you know i'm kind of more involved with that whole ecosystem so that's one more protocol that i've kind of brought under my wings too i'm starting yeah. to learn a little bit more about <laughs> fx yeah and, and i get on the, the community calls and they have the a team yeah like I mean, those they, they literally I'm, have I'm an a team they have an a team yeah, yeah. you know i'm on yeah. their spaces you know i love those guys it was fun to fun to talk with yeah. them and i think they're going to be you know they because they're part of convex they're also kind of dovetailed in with fraps too yeah yep yep yeah. So. Well, on, on that note those are some good recommendations we'll see if we can get root on oh, I'm no, sure, yeah. That's a good, yeah i'm sure i'm sure we can too i'm yeah. more than confident but yeah, yeah. uh where can people find you oh crypto investor uh at crypto investor on twitter 
Um, I don't have any other uh, major account, so just that that would be probably the best one. And then, of course, Flywheel, right? I mean, you the Crypto Investor Alpha Corner, yeah, <laughs> we love to see it. Crypto Investor, yeah. thank you so much for coming on this Alpha Packed episode. Uh, we hope thank to see you, you again guys. soon. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, thank you, man. All right, take Let's care, guys. All right, everyone, we're wrapping up this episode of Flywheel with the Bullvester, Crypto Vester, <laughs> DeFi Dave, Capo K here, and. Like I said at the end of the podcast, this was like your guidebook podcast. This was your guidebook to Frax. This was your guidebook to the bull market. This was your guidebook to the curve ecosystem. If you're either retail, if you're a stable coin, if you're any, any, even just any type of participant, this is something you want to listen to back again with Crypto Investor. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I just got to first off by saying we are extremely biased. We want things to go up. And that was not financial advice at all. With that said, I think the conversation was really, it was a good vibes. I, I think we, we've, we vibe really well. And at a point I felt it was a little bit like an echo chamber because, you know, these are all theses that, you know, you and I slash the community talk about. Well, I mean, like, and keep talking, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Crypto Investor is part you, of the You got to go so, in with the R word. You got to go yeah, in and, like, what are the I, risks? I, I, I had to pee it. I had to, had to you know, poo-poo it everybody a little bit because I was just like, this, <laughs> the, is, this is too good. The funny was like, oh, no ETF doesn't matter. We're still going up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're still going. Fuck yeah, your ETF. She's like, <laughs> like, well, well, there's the happening. So I was like, oh. All right, that's fair. That's fair. There's, yeah. there's also that as well too. See, the, like, um, the ETF just makes everything so much more liquid. Yeah, or or rather, liquid, just liquid, 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 liquid. Makes yo, it more liquid, accessible. Yeah, liquid liquidity. Funny. Like that's so funny that that's actually a term in our lingo yeah. because yeah, there's yeah. locked liquidity, which is illiquid liquidity. That's yes. a locked liquidity. Yeah. The liquid liquidity. Oh, okay. Oh my Talk God. about it's too funny. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, like imagine then, being a new person listening to this episode. If you're like new to crypto for the first time, like don't wonder why people are so like bewildered and puzzled. Yeah, because it's just like juxtapose this with the pod that we did with Stacy. I know. Like you know, I, this I, is I, like just... Stacy's a beginner pod. This is the advanced yeah. pod, which actually goes yeah, like yeah. quite well. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's like here, you know nothing. Do this one. If you think you know what, watch this one. If you understand yeah. what's going on, then you do know what. Good thing we're doing uh, but... this like back to back weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. it was fun. And then aside from that, I I appreciated his his insights into the different mechanics of the Frax ecosystem. And I don't know if you you recognize, it, but there was a point where I asked, "Well, how does all of this accrue back to the balance sheet?" Because that is what really really matters. And he was like, you know, intellectually honest enough to say that, well, it actually doesn't really accrue directly to the balance sheet, but it does increase the supply of fracks, the attention to fracks. And from there, it implicitly obviously will, will bring awareness to all the other products in which fracks does make revenue. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's growing in market share in one product and yeah. then it trickles Could, down. Yeah. A, a quick example I can tell you right now is like, if this, you know, as Frax leveraging has become a thing, well, where do you want to borrow Frax? You know, and and who's the largest lender on that platform? So, you know, we, we will get, you know, in that sense, direct revenue from, from that uh, activity engagement. But, you know, at, at least we, at least he was honest enough. That's why I appreciate it. And then when mm -hmm. we asked about the market, he kind of gave us his outlook uh, a little bit too bullish for me. 
Um, it's so I, I bullish. Be, yeah, <laughs> I think it was a little too bullish for me, but I, I hope it is. I hope it is. You know, Dude, we'll see. I mean, we have it on the record. Yeah, the, we have it on yeah, the record, the playbook right here. I, I mean, he, yeah, he he does have you know twenty plus years of hedge fund experience. So yeah, well, what know, do we know? Yeah, but what do we know? Wait, yeah, we don't know anything. But anyways, that's that's it from my end. Uh, uh, DeFi Dave. Dude, I'm just happy we had him on. Another thing was, like, it's really funny because, like, we see he's super energetic in the chat. And then when we have spaces, he's super energetic there. He's, like, relentless with the questions and, like, mm-hmm. literally the truffle sniffer. Um, and so it was great to have him on a podcast to do yeah. to hear to hear the energy, to feel the energy on this medium rather than being, like, in text. It's over audio. And yeah. so and you felt it. It was, it was palpable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly also really like that he mentioned about curve and convex because I feel like although the we are so intricate, yeah. yeah, the incentive engine. I've always said that too. Um, I've always said that Dex, a curve's product is not that; it's, it's its tokenomics. It's to- it turned its tokenomics into a product, which is awesome. Uh, but anyways, I I like that he brought up all the cool things that are happening over there in that ecosystem because I myself am having a hard enough time keeping up with Frax itself. So I don't really look much into curve and convex at all. So that was, you know, yeah. good to hear that there's innovations happening over there as well. I feel like DeFi is so big now. You can only pay attention to like one or two ecosystems. We were talking about at the end. Like, I don't know how like threaders go and like, oh, we're going to do like this protocol and that protocol. And it's like surface level. It's all surface level. It's all you don't get deep. Like you get deep by like sticking by one protocol long enough. But arguably also, though, to, you have the highest attack surface area if you look at everything because it doesn't matter if you know that bam is coming but if you have like a small position in fxs you're gonna benefit from it anyways so you really only needed to know like that surface level enough the details yeah. i guess like, it depends uh, like how involved you are into in each community mm-hmm. um and yeah. but you know you know how we do it here at flywheel if you want to keep up with everything fly what we do here at flywheel go to flywheeldefi.com we have the crypto investor alpha corner coming to you every two weeks. So make sure you go to subscribe to that. All our updates, flywheeldefi.com. Do it now below. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. Hit that bell button for all the notifications. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Make sure to follow us on all all of our socials. FlywheelDefi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Make sure you get exclusive show notes because we're going to have plenty to go over in our friend tech uh, at at flywheeldefi on friend tech. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's DeFiDave22. You want to follow me, it's 0x capital underscore K. And we will see you next week with a special episode. For real. You really want to hit that bell button because we have a really special episode. <laughs> I promise. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and it's not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.